Welcome to the Farm Bids Podcast. Farm Bids is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Bids Podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, Farm Bits followers, and welcome to another episode of the Farm Bits podcast. I'm Taylor Cross. And I'm Kelsey Swantek, and we're glad to have you with us today as we continue to learn more about Nebraska Extension and the On-Farm Research Network. Today, we're joined by Glenn Spangler, a Cass County farmer who's been working with the On-Farm Research Network for two years now. With new technologies allowing him to advance his farm, he shares his story about how Nebraska Extension resources have impacted his operation. With that, let's jump into this episode with Glenn. My name is Glenn Spangler. I, uh, I got a degree in mechanized systems management from the University of Nebraska. And after college, I returned to my family farm here in Cass County, Nebraska, which is uh, just south of Omaha and east of Lincoln. Uh, we are a corn and soybean farm uh, on a rotation. Uh, nearly all of our acres are terraced and we're farming on the contours. And we've been uh, no-till since the mid 80s. Very cool. So from the way I understand this, you were have been a listener of the FarmBits podcast for a long time now, and you heard about the On-Farm Research Network through the FarmBits podcast. So you kind of reached out and you are now participating in the On-Farm Research Network. Um, and now you've come full circle and you're back on the FarmBits podcast. <laughs> so can you kind of share um, your story with the On-Farm Research Network, how long you've been participating and how you kind of got involved originally? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you mentioned uh, a year or two ago, uh, Laura Thompson, the director of the On-Farm Research Network, was was interviewed on the Farm Bits podcast. And I was totally unfamiliar with it before that point. And uh, hearing her walk through about all the all the help the extension service can provide in setting up trials on your own farm with your own equipment to kind of create your own results was was really interesting to me. And so I pretty soon after I heard about it, I, I reached out and got in contact and set up something to uh to start that that spring. Awesome. That's really cool that you've been able to come full circle with the on-farm research network. Do you mind sharing a little bit about uh, the projects that you've participated in and those research trials and what they've kind of entailed? Yeah, uh, this this growing season right now is just my second year of the on-farm research network. So I'm I'm still very green in the in the in the, the ways of the trials. But uh, we uh, we had upgraded our planter with some new technology that allowed us to do some variable rate seeding. And so for a, a more simple simple trial to start with, I, I tried a, a soybean population trial. And we were testing uh, populations from 80,000 up to 140,000. And come harvest time, they all yielded nearly the same, which was pretty surprising to me, uh, being as the plant population was, was almost doubled. The, the stand count was almost doubled from the lowest to the highest, yet the yield was pretty much flat. So that was, uh, that was, that was, that was pretty interesting. Uh, this year I'm repeating this soybean trial again, but since the, the yields were pretty flat from last year's trial, I'm, I'm lowering my populations even lower to try uh, 70,000 to 110,000. And I, I also have a corn population trial going where I'm testing a, a planter box applied biological product at, at the same time. So uh, precision technology is obviously a big part of what you're doing with the on-farm research. Um, can you kind of talk specifically about the role that the digital or precision technology um, plays in these trials? 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think very few of the trials that most people are doing right now would even be possible without, you know, the wide proliferation of all the egg technologies and able to store and keep and keep using your data from previous years to, to look forward. First, uh, we on our farm, we have about 12 or 13 years of planting and yield maps, uh, you know, already you know, stored, sorted on my fingertips for use. And uh, we have GPS based combine yield maps that date back to the 90s. Unfortunately, a lot of that older stuff only exists on paper just because, you know, home, home computing and the ability to process that data wasn't really, uh, you know, reasonably priced or even available. I, I can't say for sure on that, but uh, so we just have printed maps that, you know, give you a full full size field overview, but not, uh, not really granular data. And the fields that I've personally done, the variable rate seeding and having good common yield maps have made it made it possible to conduct these trials. Yeah, that's really, really important to be able to uh, allow your data to come full circle and take those yield maps and from all the way from your seeding maps and um, be able to correlate that data. Um, so based on what you've learned in the trials that you have conducted, you said it was only two years so far. So you've only truly completed one set of um, data, but how have you taken that data and um, implemented it on other sites maybe what you've learned from those trials? Yeah, as, as you said, I'm still on the new side of things since I've only only finished one year of trials. But uh, so far, what I, what I have finished has kind of reinforced my belief that that uh, we, I can, at least in our area, we can safely lower the soybean population and still maintain yield. And as a side effect of that, because you're spending less on seed, you're also increasing your net profit per acre since you're spending less on the seed and still getting the same yields. So that's, I, I have been trying some lower populations for a number of years, but it's nice to have that belief reinforced with some actual data. Have you noticed a change in yourself personally since you've started um, participating in these trials? Like, do you have a different mindset or do you think through things a little bit differently? Because you're kind of on the research side of things now. And I know researchers and farmers think very differently sometimes. Have you noticed that change in yourself at all? <laughs> yeah, somewhat. Uh, I, was, I wasn't really aware of all the all the necessities that go into conducting a good a good research trial, all the you know the randomization and the repetition of, of blocks and things, so that you can you can take the variability of the different art areas of the field kind of out of the equation, so you know that you have some data you can rely on. I, I read up on it since I became involved somewhat, so I could understand the reason why the the trials were situated and arranged like they were, and uh, the importance of good data collection. So from year to year, I know you've only, this is only your second year of growing so far. Um, what's kind of like, how do you keep standardization across, I guess, kind of the studies from year to year? Like, do you change hybrids and varieties from year to year? Or do you kind of keep that part the same? Or how does like that standardization work across across the year? This, uh, the second year soybean trial, I have switched to a different variety because the the one I used last year, I was kind of disappointed in the results overall. They, I had I had higher yielding significantly higher yielding hybrids on or varieties on different fields. So I'm not using that same variety again, but of course for the research trials, you need to use the same, same variety throughout the whole trial and the different parts of the field. So, you know, so you take that, uh, that variability out of it. At the end of your studies, are you just taking into the, is your only response variable <laughs> like yield? Or are you taking into um, account any weed pressure um, when you're analyzing that yield monitor, I guess, what's the process there? So far, yield has been the, the only metric that I've 
I've paid attention to. It might be a good idea to look at the weed pressure in the future as well, because of course a, a bigger a bigger canopy from a higher soybean population, or perhaps if they close faster, it definitely could have an effect on the weed pressure. I haven't looked into that just yet. Uh, the, the of course the analysis of the trials is all done by the on farm research team, which gives me a lot of confidence in the results because they know all the statistics to be able to evaluate it properly. Because I might be able to look at them on my computer and draw some conclusions, but I can't. Uh, I can't go into the much more uh, granular individual data points analysis that really brings the the confidence to the trial so that I know that it really means something and that it's not just I'm seeing what I want to see. I think that's really important. Um, that does make a lot of sense. And I know um, Taylor and I are both part of the Unfarm Research Network and we have uh, Taylor, I guess, kind of has her own trial that I help her out with. Um, and there's a million and 10 things you could analyze on all these research studies and to even like think about what what to look for or what you want to know is huge so um there's always there's always more ideas but at the same time you have to keep that core like this is the study we're doing and then from there if there's other things you want to look at like you can but i think that's very interesting but i think that's really cool too how do you see the tools that you're using through like with nebraska extension um how do you see them leading up to success on your operation uh, the ultimate goal of, of me participating in these trials is to increase the profitability of the farms and the acres that I manage. So learning how the, the farms respond to different populations, different products, different fertility is is how I plan to accomplish that. Awesome. So a really cool question that I have for you um, is what technologies do you wish that existed that might not currently be on the market that you see a potential in your operation? I think I think most of the tools and technology that I could that I could want are are out there in some form. It's more of a matter of affordability for <clears throat> for a smaller average sized farm because money fixes a lot of problems. But if you can't uh, if you can't afford it or make it really work at the price point you have available for that kind of technology or or machine or anything like that. That's something we talked about a few weeks ago with uh, Dean Kroll from the NRD. He kind of said the same thing. He's a so he works for the NRD. He works for UNL, and he also has his own operation. And he said, like, we kind of had to go through phases on my operation because I don't have unlimited resources, and that's that's like mm -hmm. the whole farm problem right there. If we had unlimited money, everything <laughs> would be solved, but we don't. So, uh, yep. knowing your own limits and your own resources and utilizing what you can, I think is very important. What is the biggest challenge that you've faced um, personally or as an operation as a whole with digital technology? Uh, I'd say the biggest hurdle for me is, is the issue of rural connectivity. I mean, even though I am close to, you know, the, the big metro areas of, of Omaha and Lincoln, still I'm, I'm stuck on what is by today's standards kind of antiquated DSL technology. So when it comes to working with big data files that are generating every year, they can, they can balloon in some really big, uh, file sizes and so if i'm if i'm trying to work with them locally on my own computer that's not a big problem it's easy to transfer stuff from you know a flash drive on a computer or something but if i want to work with some kind of online platform your internet connection speed is is a huge bottleneck uh just as as a for instance uh this spring i wanted to look at some of my planting data on an online platform and so just just uh well i have i have a precision planting monitor which which makes some pretty big planting files because they're recording a lot of little statistics for every row. But just to upload my planting data from this year uh, was a 20 hour wait, which is <laughs> kind of hard to stomach. 
That's very extensive. <laughs> and and that's just that's just a single operation for a single year. If I wanted to move everything, I already have, if all the data I've already generated, that would be a, a huge amount of time, and a, and a big commitment. If you have end up not liking it, you know. Yes, I uh, I'm from Southeast Virginia, and rural connectivity is is a problem out there too. I it's not just Nebraska. It's it's it is definitely a problem, and. We that. talked about that on a uh, one of our Open for Business by Farmwits uh, ser- uh, episodes last season, I think mm-hmm. that was, with uh, Julie Bichelle. Um, She is the founder, I got to think back, I think founder of Page Wireless, and they're, uh, they're a company that they're trying to um, increase that rural connectivity, and like talking to her was so much fun because she's just so positive about it all, and she's like, I mm-hmm. can change the world, and that's what I'm going to do. And she was just so matter of fact about it. It was very cool. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I absolutely recommend doing that. But uh, okay. uh, what are some resources that Nebraska Extension produces that are really helpful to you as a producer and that you would recommend to other producers that are listening? I, I always keep up with all the CropWatch articles they put out because they're uh, they're covering a lot of the current conditions in the state. And they're always uh, highlighting issues that farmers may be dealing with at the moment. And uh, one of those more specifically is the soybean gallmage research, because that's uh, that's been a pest that's really been uh, really been uh, having a big effect in our area. And we we had some some pretty big yield hits a few years ago. I think the first year was really in the area. It, uh, it really took down a few of our fields. Um, so how else has Nebraska Extension and its resources maybe benefited you as a producer and what potential benefit does do you see Nebraska Extension offering to producers maybe outside of Nebraska? Sure. Uh, I think the all the NEB guides that they put out and have put out for many years can be a really big resource. Uh, they lay out a ton of you know best practices, general recommendations for nearly every area of crop production and and livestock and all the other things that Nebraska agriculture is involved in. I've perused many of them to see if I should be making any changes. And uh, the thing I like about them is they're all based on university research in Nebraska, which makes them a very reliable source of information. And, you know, uh, I, I've also looked at uh, the equivalent research from many different Midwestern universities that I, I kind of compiled, a, you know, if there's a certain area or topic that I'm interested in or trying to find an answer for, I'll reference other universities' uh, researches. So I'm imagining that uh, the other, the rest of the Midwest is looking to the NEB guides as well. I think it's so cool how how much you've you've talked today and shared with uh, just your experience and like using those resources that the university puts out. It's really reassuring um, to know that, you know, like those resources and all that research that we're doing is is getting used and is benefiting uh, growers like you and uh, so forth. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I sound like a broken record player. I've talked about this on every episode I've been on this season, but Nebraska Extension is not trying to sell you something. And that's a huge value that's added to that because they're not Mm -hmm. saying like, I work for a company and I'm going to make commission off this. So this is what they use. We just give you the information and you do with it what you want to do with it. And you can take it as far as you want to for your own operation and make it make sense to you without that pressure of sales. Yeah. And the the fact that uh, they're willing to to point out if something doesn't work, which you know, nobody that's trying to sell you anything will ever tell you that something doesn't work other than the competitor's product, of course. Right, but, of course, yeah. And knowing a practice that just doesn't pay off is is a lot, is worthwhile information as well. 
How has your operation benefited from not only the trials that you're working on, but all the resources that the On-Farm Research Network and Nebraska Extension offer to you or any other digital technologies that are out there that just that really helps you in your own operation? It requires a lot of knowledge to set up an on-farm trial, you know, from the design to the analysis to the you know, boots on the ground to evaluate the trial as it's growing. All of that would be pretty difficult for me to put together on my own. So to have have a research like uh, have a resource like the on-farm research team and the extension service to help you out with all that is makes it completely possible. Um, so what do you think the future of <laughs> digital ag and precision technologies, um, including you know those variable rate technologies that you've been implementing? What do you think the future of that looks like? I think, I think from gathering the data that we do every year from every operation, I think that uh, eventually that will all go into these, these crop models and you know, fertilizer modelings that, that many companies are trying to put together. So I hope that someday they will become reliable enough for, for widespread use to help you choose variety, varieties and uh, hybrids of corn and soybeans that will plant, work, and work best in your fields and the different nutrient requirements that will yield the best, the best revenue per acre. I think that eventually all the data that we're, that we're collecting and feeding into these systems will eventually make it accurate enough to make a big difference. And kind of going off that, what uh, types of technology, if like you see someone and they just kind of come up to you and they say, I heard you're on FarmBrick <laughs> or I know that you're involved in this, like where do I start? What's kind of your biggest technology that you'd recommend to uh, another grower if they would if they would ask that question to you? Well, to be able to control and influence the system, first you have to be able to measure it. So, uh, you know, to that end, you should be collecting and storing all of the data that you're generating from all of your monitors. You know, from every pass through the field, you should be collecting that and storing that in some way, so that you have that you have those records for use in the future. Even if you aren't using it right now, someday it will all become important if you keep it if you keep it organized and accessible. Uh, for our operation, we invested in some new planting technology recently that's been rewarding. Uh, advanced seed monitoring on our planter uh, allows me to really fine tune how the meters are working for the different you know, seed varieties, seed sizes, so that I can make sure that they're performing the best, the best possible. Uh, the hydraulic downforce uh, helps keep the planting depth uniform, which can be uh, sometimes can be a challenge in a no-till system, because uh, you know we 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 uh, fall apply our our nitrogen with the knife, and so those those strips that we're sometimes crossing back and forth over many times on a contoured field. Those are of course softer than the places that haven't been touched. And so having the, the hydraulic downforce to keep the seed depth uniform is, is really nice. And it's it's pretty impressive how accurate they are and how responsive, because I can look at the, the map of my row unit downforce and I can see exactly where my fertilizer sprayer tracks were from over the winter, for example, just because the ground is a little bit firmer right there where the tire tracks were. And uh, I also have some uh, smart firmers on the planter that are reporting the soil properties as I plant. I'm hoping someday to uh, average all those values together and try and find some kind of correlation to how the fields perform, you know, specifically looking at the organic matter reading, try and make some some uh, more accurate organic matter uh, maps for the field and maybe use that someday. Yeah, that is really neat. And I think you have a, a pretty good mindset going on this research and, you know, compiling this data um, compared to some growers that I've talked to in the past. So that's really, really good to hear. And I like the initiative that you're taking on your operation. We've sure. kind of uh, brushed over this idea, I think, throughout this episode, but I kind of want you to like pull it out and just say it to us. <laughs> what 
value does the on-farm research network have to you and what is the potential value to other um others in nebraska whether they just whether they participate in the studies or um just the information they can get from those studies yeah i have uh the uh, on-farm research team puts out a a fairly sizable booklet every year of all the trials that are produced across the whole state covering numerous numerous areas and uh, i think uh, a lot of archives are available on their website i've looked through uh i've looked through those before to see if uh some products that I'd heard of if they'd been tested before on farms in Nebraska. And I have, I have found some that were, and I kind of, and they didn't provide any results. So I just kind of put that idea aside, but having that, uh, that record of everyone else's trials that are all happening concurrently and they can kind of be collaborated on a, you know, on a certain topic, be it soybean seeding rates, you know, there's there, that's tested all across the state every year. From being involved in the research trials, uh, it also it also sets my mind to work to different topics that I'd like to that I'd like to research in the future. I already have a few ideas that I've generated this, just this year while I'm watching while I'm watching the crops grow that uh, I'd like to try in the fall some you know some nitrogen trials, try out some of the uh, some of the the nitrogen modeling on the field perhaps. So uh, just just getting involved with the research network really really helps you think through how how the trials work and things that you could try in the future. And so that's uh, it's really neat to kind of shift your mindset into uh, a more of a research side. Glenn, we have a tradition on the Farm Bids podcast uh, to ask for a piece of advice. So from you, we want to know if you have any advice for producers like yourself that want to try <laughs> a new technology or just get involved with the Nebraska On-Farm Research Network. I think if you want to learn something for yourself on your own farm with your own equipment, the On-Farm Research Program is the starting point. So start with something very simple, like for instance, how I did, just a, a simple seeding trial. And then once you learn the ropes from doing that, you can branch out in any direction you're interested in. And just, you have you have all the, res the resources there. They'll help you from every step of the way, even if you know nothing going in and they'll make it uh, really mean something at the end of the year. Thank you very much to Glenn Spangler for taking the time to join this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. We've heard from a lot of extension educators this season, so it's really cool to hear about Nebraska Extension from a different perspective. You could tell that Glenn has already been seeing benefits from participating in the on-farm research network and sees immense value in Nebraska Extension's resources. I have to say, in addition to that, one of my favorite parts of this episode was how just advancing one part of his operation really allowed and opened up all these windows um, in digital technology so that he could track that data from planting to yield uh, monitors and really make decisions on all fields on his operation. I agree, but I think my favorite part had to be hearing how Glenn came full circle from hearing about on-farm research on the podcast, reaching out, having success, and now he's here as a guest sharing his own story. That's really what Farm Bits is all about. This episode marks the end of the summer season, but we'll be back on September 22nd with a few new faces. See you then. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback, so if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the reviews section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. 
The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits.